You know, it's amazing how much difference a week is making. I think it's almost uh, that we have forgotten what, what we were going through a week ago. Uh, there was anxiety in the nation. But for sure, God has stepped in the hour of crisis and has given us a, a mighty uh, demonstration of his power. And uh, thank God we have peace in our nation. A lot of things have happened this week, and we are really thankful that God is really in control. Now, um, when things of that magnitude happen and change comes, of course, what is required now is uh, a rebuilding process. It's a clearing up of the rubble, and uh, it's important that we understand that this is necessary in our nation, just like God shows to us in his word. So I want to take my time this morning um, to speak about the rebuilding of God's people and uh, God is bringing his people to perfection. Okay, rebuilding God's people to perfection. That is what I want to speak today about. And I want to take you to the book of John, chapter 2 and verse 18. John, chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says, <clears throat> Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. And let me read a word from the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. This is Paul speaking. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Praise God. We need to press on for that perfection in Christ Jesus. And uh, Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah chapter 61 is a, a very powerful prophe uh, prophecy by the prophet uh, Isaiah. You know, these are true prophets, not uh, uh, what we see and hear today, but these are true prophets. So Isaiah spoke about 700 years before Christ came about the very, the very ministry of the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here, and later on Jesus would, uh, would repeat these words uh, in the beginning of his ministry. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to, the, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness, <clears throat> the release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. 
to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your word. And Lord, it's my prayer that may you show us this very powerful way of your rebuilding process. Lord, thank you that whatever has been destroyed by evil, whatever has been broken down by sin, you are going to rebuild it. You are going to bring it back to its original glory. And Lord, we want to thank you. May our nation, may Zambia be rebuilt to the glory that you would love to see. Lord Jesus, we are looking up to you as we pray, Lord, for guidance, for guidance in our nation, for guidance in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that may you speak to us through your powerful word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so my subject today is rebuilding God's people to perfection. Why do I say rebuilding? You see, when God created man, he was actually made without any spots or wrinkles. Nothing was missing. And the only thing that man needed to uh, prove is that he would be faithful in his obedience to the word of the Lord. <clears throat> but otherwise, everything was perfectly prepared for mankind. You know, God created a garden, you know, that we also call the paradise. And of course, when you hear the word paradise, I'm sure you have got certain, certain uh, you know, reflections, certain expectations that paradise is a wonderful place, a good place. And that's exactly what it was. It was a place where there was no sin. It was a place where there was no, uh, no pain, no crying, no death. All this was not found in the paradise of God. In fact, what was prevailing was a beautiful relationship between man and God. Relationship and fellowship was, was on the order of the day. Man would be able to walk with man, and, and, and I mean man was able to walk with God because God would make himself available on a regular basis and they would be able to, to com compare notes along the way. Now all that was prevailing for some time. We don't know how long. Uh, the Bible is not very specific in that. It may have been a long time. It may have been a short time. We don't know, but it, it was created in, in that particular way. Until, unfortunately, man was unable to have dominion over his own desires, on his own uh, body, his own life. You see, God called man to have dominion over the world, over the creation of God. But man failed to have dominion over himself. 
and was falling for false promises that were given to man by the serpent, which was used by the power of darkness, the evil one that was already at that time. Now, God had told Adam that he must protect the garden because God knew that there was uh, the evil one roaming around. And of course, if you uh, think of your own house, wouldn't you take good care to protect your house? Wouldn't you make sure that your house is not, uh, you know, uh, easily an easy entrance for, for, the, for the enemies, for the thieves, for the uh, people who are trying to destroy? And of course, that's exactly what God had uh, hinted to, to Adam. You must protect this creation I've given you. And of course, God is not asking for something which is impossible. So that means man was very much empowered to take care of God's creation, protect the creation of God according to the command of God. So unfortunately, man who was supposed to be a ruler of God's creation could not rule his own desires. Desires that were planted in his heart, in his mind, by Satan himself. And that's how he fell into sin. And that's how all that God had prepared with beauty was destroyed. So a man became disobedient. And that disobedience destroyed his own destiny. You know, God gave us a destiny in him. But we had destroyed it as human beings because we listened to the evil one. And unfortunately, we were injected with his DNA. When we believed, when we uh, listened to the voice of Satan, then he injected his DNA into our lives. So from now on, we would not be able to walk any longer as the family of God, as the children of God, as the sons of God, but we would now be sons of a new father, and that was the devil, as Jesus even very clearly said it to the people of Israel when they were claiming they were sons of Abraham, and he says, no, no, you're not sons of Abraham, you are sons of your father, and that is the devil. Now, sin keeps distracting destroying the plans of God. Okay, when we think about uh, what this world is all about today, we see that so many things have been broken down, have been destroyed. Now, in the early days, it was the Garden of Eden which was destroyed. You know, that garden of perfection, that garden of goods, that garden of blessings was defiled by evil. And God said, you cannot stay here. You have to leave this place. And, and God removed man from that garden. And of course, since that time, the garden is not there anymore. You know, where the garden was located at that time, you know, it's very clearly uh, described. It's no longer there. That's where they, we find desert today. You know, that's where we had uh, Operation Desert Storm some years ago when there was war between Iraq and uh, their neighbors. 
But then, you know, other things got destroyed in the process again and again. You know, God gave man his tabernacle, a place where he would be able to meet with man. Later on, this became the temple. And the temple was a place which God designed in a very, very powerful way, you know, from the outer court to the holy place, to the most holy place, you know, foreshadowing the journey that we have to go through in order to come back to our to our uh, destiny, to our Heavenly Father. But then, unfortunately, because of consistent sinfulness, because of consistent disobedience, even that temple was destroyed. Even so, it was God who gave a clear blueprint for that temple, as he did first for the tabernacle. Uh, God would not allow that temple to remain because man was completely defiled, completely turned away from the presence of God. And so everything got destroyed. Not only did the temple get destroyed, even the walls of Jerusalem got broken down. Now we must understand, you know, when God talks about a temple, you may think about a a magnificent building, and yes, it was. You know, the temple that Solomon built was a magnificent temple. It's actually described very well in uh, Scripture as Solomon was building that temple. But then that temple got destroyed. And just before Jesus came, that temple was rebuilt. It was taking 46 years for Herod to rebuild this temple and, you know, it was like shining in its former glory again. Uh, of course, there were other rebuilding processes in the time of Ezra and Haggai, the prophet. You know, we all remember that Haggai was speaking to the people of Israel after that come back from their, uh, from their uh, time in, in, uh, uh, in Babylonian um, Days, you know, where they were slaves. Uh, and, and it says, you are living now in good houses, but the, the temple of God lay, lies in ruins. And so they began to rebuild the temple under Ezra. We'll read a little bit later about that. Then they began to rebuild the wall through Nehemiah, whom God called. You know, he was in the service of the king uh, where he was uh, having a very a very privileged position in the, in the days of the, uh, the, the, the Israelites who had been taken to Babylon and then, of course, following kingdoms. But God spoke to Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. So my... my very important word here is rebuilding. You know, when things are destroyed, things must be rebuilt. Amen? God is not building on top of something uh, that is, of course, uh, not cleaned up. Rubble needs to be dealt with. I'll come to that a little later. And so there is a very important process of rebuilding. That is true in the kingdom of God. You know, this is what God is doing in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not where we ought to be, but 
we need to go through the process of rebuilding so that we come to the very glory that God had, you know, bestowed upon his creation when he created Adam and the human race as a whole. So now what we must understand is that God's plans cannot remain shattered for good. God's plan will work. You know, our theme this year is very clear, and I believe this is, this is a prophetic word. You know, God says, my purpose will stand. What I've said, that I will do. So God says very clearly that anything that man has destroyed through evil influence, through destruction of, you know, the, 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 the mind that is, uh, you know, made or darkened by, by sinfulness. Anything that is destroyed needs to be rebuilt. In fact, God says that he cannot come back unless and until it is rebuilt. Let me just uh, read this uh, word from the book of Acts. Okay, it's a very important word. And it shows to us that God makes sure that he oversees the rebuilding process. Okay, anything that has been destroyed, that has been corrupted, needs to be rebuilt. In Acts chapter 3, verse 17, this is the time when uh, Peter is speaking to the people. It was just after the day of Pentecost, and they had just, you know, healed uh, a sick man, uh, at the temple courts, and of course there were arguments there. And, and, and Peter says, friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah. Okay? So what happened was not just anything that accidentally took place, but it took place according to God's perfect plan. Okay? So God was fulfilling all that the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, that is the Christ. Okay, Messiah and the Christ is the same, the same word from its origin. Okay, so God, uh, uh, Peter says that he is going to send him again, the appointed Messiah. Now listen carefully, this is a very important verse, verse 21. The Bible says, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago, through his holy prophets. Okay, so what, what the Bible tells us, what the, uh, you know, the early uh, disciples and apostles knew exactly is that Jesus would not be able to come for a half-baked church. Okay? There must be full restoration. There must be full perfection. And that's what God is working on today. Now, you know, you may think, will that ever happen? Will that ever uh, materialize? Because, you know, we seem to have so many 
shortcomings, so many failures all over the world, even in the church. But it is very clear that God is going to restore everything that has been destroyed. You know, God's plans will stand. As you see this word up there, you know, he says, what I have said, that I will do. Nothing that God has said, nothing that God has, has, has proclaimed through his word, through his prophets, through, uh, you know, the many different writers in the Bible, you know, that uh, have been part of writing down the, the very clearly uh, revealed uh, oracles of God, very clearly, you know, God makes it abundantly clear that all that he has planned will have to be restored, okay? Nothing will remain broken. And that includes you and me, you know? That's why the Bible says we should aim for perfection. I'll come to that later on. Now, you see, when we read the prophet Isaiah, we see that principle very, very clearly. You see, the Bible uh, reads here, the spirit of the Lord is on me. This is uh, a prophecy of what would be the life of Christ, the, the life of the Messiah. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now, poverty is not in God's plan. That's a destruction of the good plan of God. God wanted us to live in, in prosperity, okay? But we see poverty all over the world. And, 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 and God's, Jesus says, you know, the word of God says that he would come to preach good news to the poor. Not necessarily take away all the poverty immediately, but preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That means to repair, okay? Everything that is hurt, everything that is broken needs to be healed again. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, God does not want us to be slaves or prisoners. Actually, God created man for freedom. Okay? We are created to be like God. Okay? Living in freedom, living in, in harmony with God. Living like the children of God, the sons of God. That was his desire and that was his plan. But unfortunately, sin has destroyed all that. But then Jesus is to come and he came, you know, and we know that this is exactly what he, what he said about his own life. And, and, you know, today Jesus is still with us. Even so, physically he has left. And he had to leave because physically he could only be in one place. But today he's with us spiritually everywhere. That's why Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst. So thank God, Jesus is with us. So clearly, God has foretold us what the Lord Jesus Christ, what the Messiah, what the Christ would be able to do. He is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <clears throat> And you know, we are living in the year of God's favor. That is the time of grace when everybody has still the opportunity to turn away from wicked ways and come into the presence of God Almighty and get restored, get rebuilt, get built up because God 
will take us as we are, but thank God he doesn't leave us as we are. That's why, you know, when you look at your own life, you should not just say, okay, I got saved 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago, and then nothing has changed. No, actually, when you come into the family of God, there must be a constant transformation. There must be a constant change because God is building us up, restoring all that which has been broken. And so this scripture continues, and it says, to proclaim the year of God's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, you see, when we talk about vengeance, that is judgment. And, you know, whenever God is doing something new, he will always judge that which is not right. You know, he will always judge what is proper building and what is rubble. Because the rubble needs to be removed. And he continues and he says, to comfort all who mourn to provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes. You know, mankind has really come down from the high calling that God had given to human beings. We were in ashes, and you know, the world is still in ashes uh, to a large extent. When you're looking around, what you're hearing every single day, you know, you know that uh, the... The, the, the sinful lifestyle has destroyed so much that God had wanted to, to make glorious. But God is going to change it, you know. He gives the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Okay, and verse 4 says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. Okay, they are ancient ruins. You know, the ruins that have been left behind from, from what God had originally built beautifully and wonderfully well. You know, that mankind was the creation of God, was the family of God, was, 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 was uh, living in the, in the presence of God. All that has been destroyed. And God says, I'm going to rebuild the ancient ruins. Okay, I'm going to build my house again. And house in that case is not a house with bricks and stones, but it is his family. It's a reference to what he's going to rebuild in uh, the time in which we live today. So he is rebuilding the ancient ruins. He will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and that, have been, that have been devastated for generations. Now this is a very wonderful word of prophecy that God has given to us through a true prophet, Isaiah. You know, the, the words of Isaiah have all come through those which have already, you know, materialized and others which are still not fully materialized. They will come to pass. You know, as I said, Isaiah was prophesying 700 years earlier about Jesus to be born from a virgin. He was prophesying about the death of Jesus, you know, that he would be taken to the slaughter, that he would carry our sin, you know, that we thought he was smitten by God, but that actually he was that Lamb of God that carried away the sin of the world. So we must recognize that. So God's plans will materialize. They will come to pass. Man cannot destroy 
the very plan of our gods. What we must understand is that man has not only destroyed his own destiny, his own future, and that is already bad enough, but man has destroyed every attempt of God to have fellowship with mankind again. You know, that's why he had a tabernacle. That's why he had the temple of God. You know, he, he, he was doing his best in order to bring back the relationship between man and God once again. Eventually, you know, God brought back into this world a true testimony of his plans. That is Christ Jesus. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his very own son, his very best that he had. And uh, John the Baptist got this revelation when he saw him coming to the river Jordan to get baptized. This is the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. Now, even that Lamb of God was prophesied. You see, the Lamb of God was, was displayed in the Passover. You know, the Lamb had to be slaughtered in every house of the Israelites before they could leave their, their uh, enslavement in Egypt. That was a picture of Christ. Okay, and they had to eat that Lamb, and they had to eat everything of it. That's how we need to have Christ today, and we need to have him completely and holy. Okay? So what happened, or what got destroyed in Eden, God wanted to restore it through that relationship that was based on the shedding of blood by the Passover lamb. And he did that in Israel. Then he, had, uh, he restored it in the tabernacle, in the temple. You know, all this was just pointing to the real Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And you know, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was really God's gift to us. And unfortunately, man destroyed God's good gift again. Not only did he destroy his own future, but God destroyed that gift of God, that holy, righteous son of the living God who came into this world to bring us salvation. Man was not satisfied. He was not happy that the light was shining into the darkness. He was ruled by darkness. And darkness was raising its ugly hand once again against the very son of God, the very good gift of God. And that's why Jesus said, destroy this temple. And I will raise it, in, uh, raise it again in three days. And it was not a temple that was built with bricks and stones. It was his body. Because what we must understand that our relationship with God can only be restored in Christ. He is the true temple of the living God. Okay, and we ought to become living stones in that temple. You know, he is the head, we are the body. So we are able to have fellowship with the living God in this temple that is Christ. Okay, so there is no need to build a 
temple again in Jerusalem as some people are aspiring to do. You know, unfortunately, many evangelicals have got a complete wrong picture. They, are, they have already put all the materials together according to the scripture and the Bible in the Old Testament, and they're trying to rebuild the temple in the very place where it once stood. And that's, a, that's you know, impossible because that's where now the Al-Aqsa Mosque is one of the holiest sites of Islam. So God actually says, no, no, you're not going to build that temple because that's not the temple I'm talking about. The temple that God is building is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church, okay? He's the head. We are the body. We are the living stones, as Peter says very, very clearly. And so God is rebuilding what has been destroyed, but he's rebuilding it in a much more glorious way than it has ever been when it was just a house of bricks and stones. Now let me take you quickly to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us, and of course, uh, if you have time, please read the whole story. You know, Nehemiah tells us, I went, or the king said to me, what is it you want? Okay, there was a traumatic experience Nehemiah had with, with God. You know, his brother came and told him about the broken walls of Jerusalem, and, and God spoke to him. God said, you go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the, when the king who he was working for was... was uh, Seeing that, he says, what, what do you want? And then the Bible says, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his eyes, let him send me to the city of, in Judah, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. You know, Jerusalem, or Zion, as it is called, is a, is a, uh, uh, an example or is a, is a parable of, of God that actually points to the heavenly Jerusalem. The earthly Jerusalem is just a foreshadowing of that which is yet to come. We must understand that. Okay? But then even that which was destroyed on the earthly Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. God had an interest to raise up the protection of Jerusalem once again. You know, God wanted to see Zion shine again in the midst of uh, the nations of this world. And so that was the desire, you know. I mean, Nehemiah was, was, was working for a heathen king, but the heathen king was used by God to equip him, to give him materials so that he could go and rebuild the city. In verse 11, Nehemiah 2.11, the Bible says, I went, to, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounds with me except the one I was riding on. So in other words, you know, there was a man with a mission, a man who was sent to rebuild the broken wall of Jerusalem. And you know, God is always interested in rebuilding. I mean, if you are looking into uh, scriptures and the prophets, you will see the word rebuilding many, many times because God 
always is interested in rebuilding what has been destroyed. And when he rebuilds it, he will rebuild it more glorious than even in the past. Now, what we must understand is that many of the things that we see there are actually examples, parables, you know, that are pointing to the greater reality in Christ. Okay, so the walls of Jerusalem were real physical walls. But then God wants to build walls around his church to protect his church. And you know, today we, we see that many of these walls that the church is supposed to be behind and protected from are not there. And the devil is devastating the church in many places. Okay? I mean, just look around. You will see that there are so many people who have got heretic kind of teaching and, and, and talk about things that have to do with the selfishness of man once again, just like in the Garden of Eden, and not with the plan of God. Okay, Nehemiah 2 verse 17, the Bible says here, Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. You know, broken walls means we live in disgrace. And you know, we see broken walls in our nation in Zambia, and that's why we have been in disgrace for years. These walls need to be rebuilt. That's a big job. And that's why, you know, we who are understanding the plans of God, we need to be in the forefront, not to, to bring confusion, but to bring the rebuilding process uh, forwards. Amen? So, thank God there is a, a new way that God has appointed. And he, he says to his people, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start building. And you know, I want to appeal to all of us today and to the body of Christ as a whole in Zambia and beyond, let us rebuild. Amen? This is the, the call of God. <clears throat> you know, if you look at the recent history, it's actually a shame what the church, how deep the church has fallen. How false prophets have been jumping on where the money was offered. They made the messages according to <clears throat> the paymaster. And that's why today... <clears throat> People who have been calling themselves prophets are disgraced. In fact, the very word prophet is disgraced because of so many false prophets. That's a sad story. The church has not fulfilled its mandate. Even a few days before elections, pastors fellowship, those who are supposed to lead in righteousness, have been declaring their support for a false system. Instead of staying away from such nonsense, uh, the brown envelopes made them to say things that have been proven lies. The broken walls of Jerusalem, that is evidence enough, isn't it? So we need to rebuild. You know, I think we as church, and I'm not saying 
you know, you in, 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 in your individual capacity or one particular church in its individual capacity, but the church as a whole, the church which is supposed to be the body of Christ in our nation has failed. Because we have been lured by brown envelopes, mountains of crutches that seem to have been available to all the wrong, to all the wrong hands, but not to the poor. Not to the people who are really in need. Sad. So we need to rebuild. And you know, this was the, this was the uh, message of Nehemiah. Come, let us rebuild. And eventually they all, uh, you know, were coming together like in one choir. And they said, yes, let's start rebuilding. So they began the good work. But when San Bala, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem and the, the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. Now, you must understand, rebuilding will always have opposition. So, I mean, I can declare, uh, okay, or, or leaders can declare we are rebuilding, but then there will be always those opposing figures. And I tell you, they are here in our nation. There are people who are laughing, who are saying, well, see how far they go. Okay, just like these guys who were mocking them, who were ridiculing them, and said, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? At one time, they said, even if a fox will go and jump on your wall, it will collapse. But thank God it did not, not happen that way. You know, Nehemiah was focused. He was single-minded on doing what God had called him to do. And the Bible says the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. What a powerful word. Now, of course, there's one big issue when you want to rebuild anything. There's one big issue you have to deal with. You know, uh, you have heard of floods or fires that have brought destruction in, 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 a, uh, you know, in a way that nobody could imagine. Like in, in Germany, in, in some of the cities, you know, uh, there was... There was this, this flood. I mean, it, you cannot even say a flood. It was torrents. Okay, rain came down to such a great extent that it brought destruction. And the destruction only lasted for a few hours. Okay, about 24 hours. And then it just began to, to recede. But the destruction which was done by those one or two days of floods has left a trail of destruction, a trail of rubble. In fact, now they've been working, since that flood came, they've been working, I think it's now maybe a month or so, and, 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 and they are saying it will take not only months, but it will take years to restore everything. You know, just imagine one day or two days of destruction, it will keep you busy for years to rebuild. And, and the, the worst thing, that hinders the restructuring process is the rubble, okay? I mean, I've seen pictures on television where the streets are full of rubble, you know? 
You, you can't rebuild until you have dealt with the rubble. And that was exactly the same thing in Jerusalem. That is the same thing that we are facing even in Zambia. The rubble that is left behind from, from that kind of uh, devastation that we have seen in the last few years will take time to remove. So don't think there will be a quick fix. We must really have patience, okay? If you think there will be a quick fix and tomorrow you start complaining because it hasn't happened overnight, then you are unrealistic. You know, rubble takes time to be, to be removed. The Bible says here in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. Okay, because you can't build something on top of the rubble. The rubble has to be removed. You know, I mean, there are some people who are saying there must be no witch hunt. No, there's not an issue of witch hunt, but there is an issue of removing rubble. You understand? You can't build on top of the, of the rubble. You can't build on top of something that is destroyed. I mean, if you have a fallen house, how do you build a house on top of, 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 of all the blocks and, and the roof which is fallen down? You have to remove everything. You understand? And this is my, my call to, to Zambia, you know. Let us not be impatient, but let us give time to those who are now in leadership and encourage them to remove the rubble. Okay? Let us not think people can get away with all the money they have stolen. No, the rubble has to be removed. You know, the stuff has to be uprooted. All the wicked and evil things have to be coming to the light. You know, when you remove rubble, it has to come to light. You understand? Nothing remains hidden. And you know, those who are trying to hide, they will be shocked because God will bring everything to light. And if it's not coming in the process uh, of, of rebuilding, God will still bring it to light at, at his own time. There's no way that people can escape. How could the church ever find itself colluding with such kind of devastation? That is hard to understand. You see, that shows that the church needs to be transformed rather dramatically. You know, it's not a simple issue. You know, even in the church, there needs to be rubble removed for the rebuilding of that which God desires. God is building a perfect church without spots and wrinkles. And God will not stop on anything. Whatever is required, he will do that. Sometimes we human beings, we cut corners. We try to say, ah, it's not so much of a problem. Let's just do something else, you know. No, God will meticulously do everything in order to bring perfection, in order to restore the church of the Lord Jesus Christ completely to what he had envisioned and planned according to his own blueprint. It will come to pass. And as I have read here earlier on, he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. Not of a few things, but of all things. So the process of restoration, the process of rebuilding is a very tough process. Remember last week I was speaking about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's vision or mission was uh, twofold. Okay, Jeremiah was told 
that he had to uh, take care of, uh, first of all, that which had gone wrong. Okay? God told him, you must uproot. Okay, anything that is false, anything that has false roots must be uprooted. You must tear down. Anything that has been built inaccurately needs to be broken. It needs to be torn down. Anything that is not according to the blueprint of God must be destroyed. Okay, that was the mission that God gave to Jeremiah. A fourfold action, you know, to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, and to overthrow. And you know, uh, uh, Jeremiah did not do that with his hands. He did it by his prophetic words. Okay? And that's how God is doing it. So these things need to be declared prophetically so that they can happen. Okay? God sent his prophets in order to prepare the way. Okay? For instance, John the Baptist was sent before uh, the coming of the Lord so that he would make a way, a highway for the Lord, you know, so that he would fill in the, 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 the valleys and, 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 and remove the, the false mountains of pride and arrogance. And then Jesus came. And so God gave this mission to Jeremiah, and it's still a blueprint for today. Okay? Only when you uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow the false, then you can build and plant that which is desired by God. God has a plan. So the people of uh, Nehemiah's time, they were getting tired because there was so much rubble to remove. In fact, they came to a point where they says, we will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Because they got discouraged by the rubble. And they got discouraged by the enemies as well. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we'll swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. But praise God, if you read the whole story, the walls were finished. They were rebuilt. And that's a good thing. Okay? Once again, that happened with the building of the temple. You know, as I said, Haggai, the prophet, was... Uh, challenging the, the people of, of Israel to say, you know, you, you live in good houses, but the house of God is in ruins. And eventually Haggai and other people like Zerubbabel, they were beginning to do the work. Now, that's a very interesting word. The Bible says here in Ezra chapter 5 and verse 1, Now Haggai, the prophet of, and, and Zechariah, the prophet, a descendant of Idol, prophesied to the Jews, in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealti, and Jeshua, son of Josedak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Now listen to that. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Okay? True prophets put their hands to the job. They are not just opening their hands and say, give me, give me, give me, like we see it today. These are false prophets. True prophets have a burden for the plan of God to come back to its glory. Amen? And they are not just talking, they are putting hands on the job. Okay? 
So we as a church, we need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Sadly, you know, the church has been part of the same problem that we have seen, uh, which has been caused by the last administration in our nation. So broken walls in Jerusalem or in the temple are actually a pointer to the spiritual perfection in Christ, okay? Because he is the true temple of the, of the living God. We are meeting with our Father in, happen, in heaven through Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, the temple was, was a place where man and God could meet. But the true temple is Christ, where we human beings can meet with our heavenly Father. Amen? And so it's the church which needs rebuilding most of all, okay? We need to remove the rubble. Now, the state of our society, the state of the world, the state even of the church is quite devastated. You know, we see so many people who are depressed, people who are robbed and killed, People are not living in the freedom of the children of God. You know, and this is exactly what Jesus said, you know. You must understand that the enemy will come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's his mission. Okay, and that's what he wants, wants to do. He wants to, to steal from the church. He wants to kill the church. He wants to destroy what God is planning. So Satan does everything to hinder the rebuilding of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and even of the nations under God. That's why you see so many false doctrines. You know, there are always these Sanballats and Tobias, okay? And the Geshems who are saying, you will never finish, you will never make it, you know? It's a, the, the voice of the enemy, the voice of Satan. But praise God, even in the physical rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem, they proved the opposite. In the rebuilding of the temple during the time of Ezra, they proved the opposite. It is possible to rebuild, and I believe it is possible to rebuild today. Amen? <clears throat> so those who trust God, they will see that their lives are being rebuilt and transformed according to the very plan of God. You know, God says, I've said it, I will do it. Okay? He will not fail to complete his plans. That's why God in nature shows us so many parables. For instance, he shows us in the ugly caterpillar that he can transform such an ugly thing into something beautiful, something colorful, something that is not crawling on the ground, but something that is flying in the destiny of God. You know, that's what God wants to see in the church. There's still a lot of ugliness, there's still a lot of crawling on the ground, eating dust like the serpent. Okay? That's not what we are called for. We are called to be transformed rising high in the very sphere of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, 
Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he says, finally, brothers, goodbye. Okay, so he said already goodbye, but then he, he needed to say something after the goodbye. Something they needed to do. And he says, aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Aim for perfection. Amen? That is the plan of God. Remember, God cannot send Jesus back until everything, all things are being restored according to Acts chapter 3, verse 22, 21. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, you know, Hebrews 11 is the chapter of the heroes of faith. And there's a very interesting word right at the end of this chapter in verse 39. The Bible says, all these people, all these heroes of faith, you know, have earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. They received some, but they didn't receive everything. Okay? For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. That's a very powerful word. You see, when God looks at the church, <clears throat> he looks at one body. One body that is made of many different stones, past, present, and future. Okay? He doesn't look at only Abraham. He looks also at Isaac, at Jacob, at the nation of Israel, those who were really truly walking in the ways of God. He looks at the New Testament church, everybody together, you know, Everybody who lives by faith and not by sight is one body. And it will complete the race at the same time. The place when we come to perfection. Okay? So, Scripture tells us that actually those who have gone before us, they have to wait for us. You know, it's like on a really race. <clears throat> we had the Olympics recently, even so I think uh, not many people were there. <clears throat> but maybe you have seen it on TV or whatever, you know, but there, there is that relay race, okay? And a relay, that means, <clears throat> like in some of the relays, there are four, four runners, okay? And even everyone has a baton. And so the first one runs and he has to hand over the baton to the next. If he drops it, that's it. Can't continue. Okay? So the baton has to be handed over to the next runner and then the next runner runs until he comes to the the next runner again. And he has to hand over the baton again so that the next runner will also run until the last one has run his race. And the winner, you know, will go through the finishing line, <clears throat> interestingly. But before the last one has not gone through the finishing line, even the first one has not won. Are you with me? So when they celebrate, they celebrate together. You know, this is how it is with the church. Those who have gone before us, they have been running with the baton. They have running, been running their race, and then they have handed over the baton to the next generation. And again, they have run their race, and they have handed over to the next generation. 
They're still waiting for the last one, the last runner to come to the finishing line. Then all together will celebrate the victory. That's what the word of God is saying to us here. Okay? Those who have gone before us, they could not receive the crown. They could not receive you know, the gold medal if you like. <clears throat> they had to wait for the last runner to run and for the race to come to its finish. Only then could they stand on the pedestal and, and receive their crown. That's exactly the same with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is busy preparing and perfecting and transforming his church. He is rebuilding, and I think there is a lot of stuff that needs to be done needs to be done in the church in Zambia, needs to be done in the church worldwide. I mean, the church is in a very deplorable state. You know, we have been looking to the west, to the, to the, to the you know, pinnacle of, 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 of many books, and uh, the church was, was seemingly shining glorious in the United States of America, and many missionaries went all over the world to preach the gospel. But what they used to have, they don't have it anymore. There needs to be rebuilding, you know, on that side just as much as here. So let us understand there is a need to rebuild. God is rebuilding God's people to perfection. Man has destroyed every good thing that God had given to mankind, including the best gift, Jesus Christ. You know, we, we wanted to see Jesus nailed to the cross. Of course, it was not you and me who were there. We were not there. But if we were there, we would have also cried, crucify him. Because that's a part of the sinfulness of man. Okay? Crucify. But actually, even so, man wanted to bring the Son of God down. It is not man who killed Jesus. Actually, Jesus was carrying the judgment of God, and that's why he died. Okay? He didn't die because man was able to kill him. Jesus said, I will lay my life down, and I will take it up again. He freely took our burdens, our judgment, so that we don't have to go into that judgment again. But remember, God is rebuilding. So through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, he has rebuilt that which was destroyed. And he will have to wait until everything is being restored. How God will do it, I don't know. You know, this is too beautiful, too wonderful for any of us to fully understand. But one thing you can be sure, that the plans of God will not remain shattered. Everything will be able to come to pass according to what God has said, to what God has planned, to the blueprint of God. Every rubble, every mountain of dirt has to be totally removed. And everything that is broken needs to be fully rebuilt, fully restored. So, 
a big job is ahead of us, ahead of us in the church, ahead of us in the nation. You know, we are members of the body of Christ, but we are also citizens of this nation. And we have a responsibility. Actually, we should be in the forefront. Actually, we should encourage everybody who is in the rebuilding process. Brothers and sisters, this is not just any message. This is a prophetic word. Let us put our hands together and rebuild. Let us put our hands together with those who have been called into leadership. Soon we will have a new government in place. And I pray that the church will not again corrupt the same leaders, but will be actually holding hands with them to rebuild what has been destroyed. May God bless us all and give us that desire, like the people who were surrounding Nehemiah, who said, yes, let us rebuild. So I want to encourage you to have the same response. Yes, let us rebuild. Rebuild our church. A church in the nation. Let us rebuild our nation as well. Let us hold hands with everyone who has goodwill. And those who are deciding to be enemies, God will deal with them. They will say their things which never come to pass. May God bless all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much. Thank you for your desire to see the church being transformed, to see the church rising to the very height that you have called it to occupy. Jesus, we pray that you forgive this, the church of the Lord Jesus, in this nation, Zambia, we have seen so many things that have gone wrong. Lord, help us to bring sanity into the body of Christ, to rebuild this church and rebuild our nation. Lord, we pray for the leaders who have been elected and those who are going to be appointed to support the president-elect, soon to be president and the vice president. Lord Jesus, we pray that there will be a unity of purpose, that there will be an understanding, Lord, that there is a requirement to rebuild our nation. Bring it to a glory that we have not seen in our nation. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you have shared with us your desire today, your desire to see things brought up according to your perfect plan to be built so that your name will be glorified. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us grace. And I pray, Lord, that you give the energy, the desire, the power, and the grace to all of us to do our part in this rebuilding process. May your name be glorified. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. <laughs>